some people talk about or ask me about Huber's longevity and our family's involvement in this business. A lot of it had to do with the fact that we were minorities. Thank God for Martin Luther King, you know, who really brought uh, racial discrimination and into the public awareness. You're listening to the Weekly Portland Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. That was James K. Louie. He's the president of Huber's Cafe. Huber's has been in business since 1879. That's 138 years. So they're not exactly a startup. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a rundown of the history of Huber's. Established in 1879, it was originally called the Bureau Saloon until it was purchased by Mr. Frank Huber. And then the name was changed to Huber's. In 1891, Mr. Huber hired Jim Louie, a Chinese immigrant, to do the cooking. Huber's moved to its present location in 1910. Shortly after, in 1912, Mr. Frank Huber died, and Jim Louie took on the management of the business for the Huber family. When the Prohibition era came around, Jim was going to close the old bar, but was encouraged by the patrons to keep it open. By the way, Jim Louie came to the United States as a stowaway immigrant. Being a minority, when my dad took over the restaurant from his great-uncle, at that point, you know, he was, oh gosh, late 40s. Andrew. Early, yeah, Andrew, early 50s. And uh, there was still a lot of racial discrimination going on then, back in the 40s and the 50s. My, my dad, his, uh, his degree was in pharmacy, but uh, he was not able to get a paying job here in the city of Portland. So he went back to China to practice pharmacy. That's how I met my mother, who was also a pharmacist. Once Great Uncle Jim acquired half ownership from uh, John Huber, my father had American citizenship. Great Uncle Jim, uh, he had family, but they were not American citizens. So they were not uh, able to immigrate to this country until much later in life. Uh, Great Uncle Jim acquired half ownership. He sent for my father, who came back and uh, helped uh, Great Uncle Jim manage the business. And my mother, she followed about five years later. This was after the repeal of the Chinese Exclusion Act, which was in existence from the late 1800s to 1945. So there's been a couple of big movies filmed at Huber's, My Own Private Idaho, and I learned of another. Keanu Reeves, though, kept on blowing his lines, so they, they had to redo the shoot over and over again. More recently, we were in the movie uh, Men of Honor, starring Cuba Gooding Jr. and Robert De Niro. I didn't know that. And they took up three and a half days. We closed down mo- Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and then we opened for dinner on Wednesday, three and a half days. Once it was all said and done, I was thinking... This is the last movie we're going to be in because we're in the hospitality business. We sell food and beverage. We're not in the movie business. And we had to turn around so many people just to say, hey, we're making a movie. Uh, I, I don't think it sends the right message to the guest. Right. Did you see the movie? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I saw the movie. And the, 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 the scene that Hubers is in is only, oh, maybe 15 seconds, 20 seconds. Right, okay. It, but, it, but it took him three and a half days to do that scene. Cuba Gooding was very gracious. We had a chance to meet him, and he was so thankful that we allowed them to use the restaurant. Robert De Niro, uh, we got a chance to meet him. He came in as a customer. He wasn't in the scene that was shot at Huber's. The first night he came in, 
he had quite a group of young ladies with him. And then the next time he came in was on a Friday. And he, I think he was stunned by the, how busy and crowded it was because the previous night that he was in, it wasn't nearly as busy. But yeah, he, he had one drink and then he got out of there because I, I don't think any customers bothered him, but I think he was getting a little claustrophobic. Yes, but you did meet Robert De Niro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, when I met him, uh, he wasn't quite as uh, outgoing as Cuba Gooding. Uh, maybe he just thought I was just another customer. Right. <laughs> so he wasn't very, very warm and friendly. Now, you're the co-owner, correct? Right. And uh, so there's you, David, and Lucille. Yep. Now, exactly. what's David and Lucille's role with the the restaurant? Well, Lucille is pretty much retired. She's uh, going to be 77 this coming May. But David is active in the business. And uh, so, uh, yeah, together we, we run the restaurant. And it's, it's taking us a while. But after... Uh, being involved with the family business. We're running the restaurant now and we're not letting the restaurant run us. What? So, can you explain that? Well... It's an interesting uh, statement. Very uh, profound. Especially uh, small business and small restaurants. Uh, The owners are spending too much time hosting, waiting tables, tending bar, cooking, and they're not spending enough time growing the business. Former Governor Kuhngowski comes in, and the current mayor, uh, Ted Wheeler, he comes in. Usually Ted uh, gets his meal to go. I guess it's because he is so active, such a hard He is, he's an iron man, this guy. That that he uh, gets his food to go, takes it back to the office, and eats there. But, okay, uh, does not get uh, like a, a bigger political figure locally than, than the mayor. Does he get a turkey sandwich or a uh, drink? No, he, or? Usually, he usually orders a, the, the classic club, which actually is a better sandwich. It's a better sandwich? Yeah, than the... Is just, that your favorite? Just the, 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 the traditional turkey sandwich. The club, it's it's got more ingredients. Okay. Uh, it's Getting a triple decker. <laughs> and, you know, we, we another really good sandwich that we do is the smoked turkey Reuben. And uh, uh, that's a really good sandwich. Well, now we know what the, what the mayor eats. So yeah, right. now, I mean, we've provided a service here. Right. I started working here when I was 14. Okay. And I was a very shy kid when I was growing up. And uh, the thing about going into the, the, the hospitality business, it helps you get over being shy. So does having a podcast, by the way. <laughs> Yeah, I, I probably couldn't do a podcast if I would have not gone into the restaurant business and uh, say, let's say, you know, my mother wanted me to become an engineer because she thought that engineers made a lot of money. But let's say I became an engineer and really did not deal with the public very much. I still might be a very shy person. So it has helped you personally? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you do a lot of PR, too. You've spoken to a lot of newspaper guys. You've been on TV Oh, yeah. the face of, of Hubert. All those things I probably wouldn't be able to do if I hadn't gotten over being shy. And I remember my first television interview. <laughs> yeah, I was a little on the nervous side. And, uh, was it KGW? No, it was uh, KPTV. When was this? This was way back. This must have been, 
oh gosh, this must have been <laughs> 40 years ago. We've been blessed uh, by God to, you know, have all this natural publicity. Uh, this, and this interview, this first interview you did on KPTV, how did, so you were nervous. Oh yeah. How did that go? Uh, it and uh, one question that I was really stumped with and I didn't know how to answer. The interviewer asked me, and this was actually before internet, and online reviews and stuff like that. But occasionally, you know, uh, we would get maybe kind of a negative review in the newspaper. And uh, she asked me, how do I respond to that? And I know the answer now. <laughs> the thing is, is God gave all of us with different palates. Some people like exotic food, stuff they've never eaten before. And then you have people like my wife who wants familiar food, stuff that, uh, food that she uh, experienced when she was a child. Sounds and she like wants English. Sounds very English. <laughs> yeah. And she, she wants it to cook the way her mother cooked it. And her mother, you know, and she was a wonderful mother. Uh, she would just open up a can, throw it in a pot, heat it up. Canned vegetables are, are, are usually pretty soft and mushy. I always cook with fresh vegetables, and that you know they say cook it al dente, you know. So there's a little right. bit of crispness. My, my my wife, if I do it that way, she'll say these these carrots are raw. <laughs> so, so I, I just to keep her happy, I, I usually cook the vegetables just a little bit more. It's not turned to mush just yet. But, right, compromise. But uh, that, that's a great way to address a negative review. We're all we all have different palates. We're all born that way. And I really like that answer. Now, back in the 70s, when you did this interview, you came up with the Spanish coffee that, that Cuba's is well known for. And this is a big deal now. Yeah. How did that come about? Well, my wife and I, she, she was my girlfriend at the time. We were at, having dinner at a restaurant called the Fernwood Inn out in Milwaukee, Oregon. And they were making Spanish coffees. And uh, I told my wife, gosh, there's nothing to it. You just trim the glass with sugar, put a little 151 rum in it. Light it on fire, add Kahlua, add coffee, add whipping cream. And I, I said, that's easy. And so I brought the concept back to Huber's. And uh, thanks to my friend Bill Bakke, he was the one who said, Jim, this is really a nice drink, but what it needs is just a little bit of orange. Why don't you put a little bit of triple sack in it? So we started adding triple sack to it. And then he says, why, why don't you uh, garnish it with a little nutmeg? So we started putting a little nutmeg on top. And another customer named Max, he saw me lighting the match with two hands. He said, Jim, let me show you how to light a match with one hand. And let me show you how to remove the match with one hand from the, the matchbook. So all those things became part of our presentation. We're not shy about sharing the recipe with other people. It's because the presentation of that drink is what sells it. Our, our bartenders, the expertise level uh, has reached a, an amazing level. I, I, I'm, I'm amazed. You're doing like Tom Cruise tricks, <laughs> making this thing happen. I love it. Oh, for sure. Their expertise level has far exceeded mine. Well, the turkey uh, has been... A tradition that Huber is going clear back to the saloon days. Back in the saloon days, uh, if you purchased an alcoholic beverage, you got a free turkey sandwich and a little rambic and a coleslaw. Anyway, that's what my great uncle, his role, he was hired by Frank Huber to cook at the saloon. This is Jim Louie we're talking about. Yeah, Jim Louie. His, his Chinese name was Wei Feng. 
Wei Feng. Wei Feng. Uh, it goes Louis Wei Feng because the Chinese always put the family name first. Great Uncle Jim, he came over as a, a stowaway aboard a clipper ship. He was a stowaway. Yeah, he was one of the original both persons, an illegal immigrant. He was an illegal. Right. And why did he stow away in like the bottom of the ship? Uh, Storage bins? I'm not sure. That, that's probably but where he was. But he was a stowaway. Well, that's the way the story goes. And the story was told to us by his brother. Let's see. I think this person would be my half-brother. Great Uncle Jim's father paid for his passage to America. And why? Uh, just uh, in search of a better life. Uh, back in China, uh, you had a very few rich people and a whole, whole lot of poor people. Right. Actually, it's kind of like that way today. <laughs> you know. And how did he meet Frank? Uh, Frank, Frank Cuba. Well, uh, Jim had learned how to uh, bake in a uh, a bakery run by a French woman, and that's where he uh, learned the culinary arts. And uh, somewhere along the line, Frank Huber met him, and was impressed with him, and you know, persuaded him to come work for him at the saloon. Jim stayed with uh, Huber's for, well, he worked at Huber's for most of his adult life. I, I, don't, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I read online that he died at the restaurant? Yeah, he died right here at Huber's. In the obituary in the newspapers, it, it didn't say that because people were concerned that if word got out that Great Uncle Jim died right at the restaurant that it might hurt business. Right. But basically, it wasn't from anything he ate. Uh, it was, um, we think he had a heart attack. He, the symptoms were he was dizzy, and he went down to lie down in a booth. Uh, this is at the end of the workday. All the crew had left except for uh, the dishwasher. The dishwasher was from China, didn't speak any English, and so uh, he didn't know how to call for, for help, medical help. So uh, yeah, great uncle, he stayed with Great Uncle Jim all night, and when the crew came in uh, the next morning, Great Uncle Jim had passed away. Actually, that's not a bad way to go, you know, you know, uh, doing what you love yes. to the very end. Yeah, and he so, had a good table. Yeah, right. <laughs> we do whatever we can to make the guest happy. Now, sometimes guests will try to take advantage of you, They'll order a steak, eat the whole thing, and then they'll complain, oh, this is the worst steak I've ever had. And usually a case like that, you know, well, we, we have to say, well, I'm sorry, sir, I can't comp out your meal because you ate the whole thing. Uh, there's always two sides to a story. There is, there is. If we get a negative review, uh, you know, I, I want to talk to the people involved and ask them what happened. And a lot of times what the guest is saying is somewhat exaggerated. Or maybe it's not exactly what happened. Yeah, you are presented with their experience, and uh, you know it's it's uh, on you to really sort of defend yourself. Yeah, but you know, I, I think one of the important things when you're dealing with a guest that is unhappy about their experience is uh, just mainly apologize. I like to say that having been married for 41 years, I know how to apologize. (laughs) 
I'd just like to thank Portlanders for the, the great support that they give us. We, we have so many regular customers. One of the things about Huber's is we're very affordable. We're kind of medium priced as far as our pricing. And it kind of goes clear back to when my dad was running the restaurant. You know, he always wanted to be affordable to the average Joe, the average man on the street. And, you know, that philosophy has kind of continued today. I'm so glad I got to speak to you today. Well, thank you, Greg. I certainly appreciate you coming over and taking the time. It's a wonderful place. And, oh, thank uh, you. you know, one of the first places I went to when I came to this city 17 years ago. And I'll never forget it. Oh, thank you very much, Greg. I, it was uh, an honor and privilege to be on your podcast. What a nice guy. Wow. You know, I think I'd do this show a lot better if I had one of those Spanish coffees right before I start recording. My name is Gregory Day, and I'll see you next Monday. Have a great week.